What's happening, everybody? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have player developer and current assistant coach of Valley, uh, what is it, Valley Community College, the boys basketball team, Sean Kalani. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for blessing us on the show here. We just try to bless the people with information, tell about your journey, and see if we can just help the families out with any information that we have. So Let's do it. All right. We would love to start the show off with the wall of hoop movies your favorite hoop movie of all time and why i guess i'm going with coach carter um for me you know it's just always cool to to uh hear the underdog story uh, it's relatable i always feel like i was you know kind of an underdog um and i also really enjoy just the the motivational aspect and then the stories behind uh the players i thought that was really cool okay so um you said that with a hesitancy, though. You said, I guess I will pick Love and Basketball. It wasn't a sure thing. So uh, what other hoop movies would you consider? So to be <laughs> honest, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a huge movie person. Um, you know, looking at the wall, the only other movie that I've seen up here is Love and Basketball. So um, for me, uh, it just kind of makes sense to pick Coach Carter. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've never been just a big movie person in general. I'm always, right. to be honest, watching real basketball. Right. So I stay away from movies and, and TV a lot. That's respectable. That's respect. You watch real life basketball yes. instead of these movies. Okay. So Coach Carter, um, who do you identify with? What player did you identify with the most? I mean, for me personally, I, I would say more so I identified with the coach mm. himself. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, I try to provide, you know, motivation to my players. Um, I think any player that you work with, you have um, a different connection, a different way to relate to them, and everybody comes from a different background, different dynamic, and so I think it's, uh, as a coach, that's kind of the most challenging part, um, but also the most rewarding part is figuring out how you can get players to trust you, but also um, pushing them as well without pushing them away. And so um, for me, you know, I would, just because I'm so far removed from basketball, I, I would definitely have to go with, with Coach himself. 100%. Mine is Timo Cruz, only because I, I was light-skinned. Well, my wife thinks that's my uh, celebrity look-alike, first off. So <laughs> there you go, babe. You're welcome. And But also, I loved how he like just wanted to prove Coach wrong. Like That that was my biggest fault, I think, is that I never like tried to stand up. I was very coachable. I was almost too coachable to where I wasn't able to step out of showed the coach what I was actually capable of doing pretty much all the way until I was done playing. And then I just started hooping because I had no boundaries on me. And so Timo Crew, shout out. Thank you. Um, and just stay out the streets, brother. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So um, when did you fall in love with basketball? I want to say I was I was three. I mean, you know, I had an older brother that played, you know, professionally. And so I think as a younger sibling, you always want to be like that older sibling. And so from a young age, I always wore clothes. I always, you know, I was the kid that was at school with these like shorts and shirts that were like four sizes too big for me. Um, and that was back before our shorts got small. So right. there, he was already wearing bigger shorts than you were Right, that was the cool thing back in the day. Um, so for me at a really young age, we had this like, you know, at, at our house, this little slab of concrete. And, you know, I remember my mom, she would get so mad because we created a free throw line, which was on the grass. And so we would always bounce the ball there. And then with our shoes, we would kind of create that line. 
And so she would always come outside and, and yell at us for, for playing too long or tell us to come in because we were bothering the neighbors. And so from a really young age, I feel like it was just kind of ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my parents put me in a bunch of different sports. I did gymnastics, soccer, softball, but that's the one that kind of just stuck with me. And when do you think you started taking it seriously? To be honest, I'm a person that really doesn't take a whole lot lightly. So <laughs> uh, I took it seriously from a really young age. Uh, I think the thing, you know, my greatest skill was, was my IQ. I could, could read the game from a young age. I understood, you know, reads. And, you know, when we talk about that, just like innate feel, I kind of was, was naturally gifted that. Um, so I always thought from a young age that I had a chance to play competitively at whatever level that may be. So um, I took it pretty seriously, I think, from the moment, you know, that I kind of picked up that ball. Is there something that you can remember in your childhood that led you to have the high IQ? Like you can just, was it, you really feel like it was just like God's gift to you that you understand, you know, something. So it is it's very complex, the game, but you, may, you make it very simple in the way you train now. Um, I'm sure in the way you played, you made it very simple. Uh, or do you, is, yeah, is there a moment that you can think of that was like, hey, I, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I think that was also one of my brother's strengths. So I took a lot from him um, at a really young age and, and really, you know, I went to all of his games. He played professionally with the Lakers from the time I was in middle school. So uh, I was at 40 plus games every year um, at home. And so for me getting to watch him, I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also shout out to like all my coaches. Um, yeah. The one that sticks out the most to me is, is Dave Miller. And, um, you know, I played AAU with him. I always played with guys growing up until I hit high school. So I had to figure out what things could I bring to the table because obviously I wasn't going to be as strong. I wasn't going to be as fast. And so I had to figure out how can I impact the game. And so for me, it was IQ wise. And then also Dave, he was crazy. Um, But (laughs) he pushed pushed me to to another level that... um, I probably wouldn't have reached without him. And so um, I think, you know, shout out to Dave. He, he really helped me uh, kind of advance my game in, in that way. That's awesome. What, what tactics did he use? Is there something that you remember like, oh, this is what I remember Coach Dave used to do this that pushed you to that, to that next level. I think it's important for all coaches, right, to have that ability to put you to your full potential. And it sounds like he helped you do that. Was there something specific? He was that old school coach. Um, Practices were intense. Uh, You know, not your typical AAU practices now where you're getting to just play a lot and you're just getting up and down. Like we were dissecting the game. We were running a lot. We were getting yelled at a lot. Um, But I think that also kept me on my toes. He also uh, really took me aside a lot and challenged me and pushed me. And we had a lot of in-depth conversations. And so um, obviously being a part of a team where, you know, at that age, I want to say I was like 12, 13. That was when I kind of started to, you know, come into more of like my womanhood. And so there was definitely like a separation between boys and girls at that age. And so he really kind of took me under his wing and just showed love. And I think for me, like that went a long way to feel like I was a part of this group, even though I was different. Absolutely. Take me into the mind of a 12, 13 year old Sean and what, what was your mindset competing against boys every day? You know, I, I was more of a timid kid. So I kind of just like picked my spots. 
and just tried to help in any way that I could, um, I actually didn't realize I was good. You know, oh. that, that was, that was my biggest thing. Like I had the skill, but like confidence did not match that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, I think I always kind of just like flew kind of under the radar. Um, I was always good enough to play with the boys. And so that's why I was always with the boys. But I think really it was not until I, I met Dave, um, where he really like turned that sort of like switch for me. And I like gained this this confidence where I was like, I could do this. Like mm -hmm. I can compete with these guys, mm -hmm. and um, and I'm actually better than some of these guys. Right. And so <laughs> that's when like I was like, all right, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna hoop now. And you know, I've always had this very very competitive spirit. My brother, I remember, would would make me stand in the backyard on the concrete, and he would just be like, all right, you're gonna stand there and you're just gonna take charges. And he would literally run me over. Like, no joke. And I'd come inside the house, <laughs> and I'd be crying. Uh, but, like, it built this, like, toughness oh in God. me. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you know my brother. That yeah. sounds pretty accurate to him. 100%. Um, and, like, there was, like, no excuses with him. It's like, no, you're going to do it because this is going to help you. Um, and he didn't let me, like, take shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Hey, we had to leave the court all the time with 10 in a row. Like, that, those yep. sorts of, like, little habits that were instilled in me from a young age, I think really, like, helped me along the way that's awesome did you do you would you recommend girls play with boys growing up now since you going through it did it have that big of an impact where you say hey if you're you know training a, a young lady and you're saying hey you should go play with boys I do think there are advantages to it I think it's all like person dependent as well um, but I think if it's a girl that is you know playing at her level one is is not being challenged enough i love the physicality that playing with guys you know brought to me like and this fearlessness that i that i like acquired from it i think was so needed because like just being honest i don't meet the eye test like i'm not super tall i'm not super athletic you know so like what other skills could i bring to the table and so i think playing with guys um allowed me to figure out what things are my strengths and then like learning how to apply that to players that are faster and stronger I think was a benefit so uh, I definitely would recommend it for for girls that are a little bit more advanced for sure absolutely yeah and we have this girl her name Siobhan Smith she ended up playing at somewhere in Texas uh, eventually but she was better than all of us in middle school <laughs> played on the boys team and used to just Give me the business. Oh, my gosh. Siobhan, shout out to Siobhan. She runs gym rats out in Riverside now, okay. so she still coaches. Man, she used to give us the business. So I thought it was always cool to for, for girls to compete, like you said, just the, the physicality more than anything, especially in that middle school age where, you know, uh, boys are kind of hitting puberty, right? So you're getting the, the physical part, but you're not getting like a, well, Jordan running through you is kind of interesting, but <laughs> that's, a, that's more of a simile thing, but... Um, no, that's that's awesome. Um, thank you. But you know, even Shay too, like Shay Murphy. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. She played with my brother and all of his, you know, teammates growing up, and she ended up being, you know, WNBA champ and yeah. played professionally, uh, not just in the WNBA but overseas. So I do think that those experiences like build like a level of toughness and grit that can carry you, you know, really far in this game. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you play for Dave Miller AAU. Um, are there any experiences in AAU that 
help prepare you for high school? Like that you kind of remember like, man, the competition level or the traveling. Did you guys travel nationally, locally? What was that experience like? Yeah. So, you know, I initially started playing with a travel team called Balboa Park. Um, and they were, um, and this was like when I was actually in high school. Um, but when I did play with Dave, we did play nationally. We went, you know, to a bunch of different tournaments. Um, for me, there wasn't like one moment specifically that stood out or that like changed the game for me. Um, but I just think that like it built this competitiveness it built this, um, just this like additional grit. Um, but like, I wouldn't say I had one moment that was like that. Um, if I could think of one that may be close to that, I remember being in Vegas and you know, you always go to those Vegas tournaments in the summer. And so we were playing in this tournament and I was, I was coming off the bench this game and I came into the game and, um, I just three, 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 like four or five in a row. Mm -hmm. And I remember he called me over during the middle of the game and he was like, what are you doing out here? And I was like, I'm scoring. What do you, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm, I'm doing well. He was like, you're not guarding anybody. Mm. And so, like, I, I thought, for me, I'm like, I'm coming in and I'm, you know, lighting it up. This is great. And so I think that moment, like, showed me that there's more to winning than just, like, putting the ball in the hoop. Yeah. Um, and so it helped me kind of, like, focus on some of those things that were, that maybe I was missing in my game or that I could add that would be helpful to me. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's a real coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't think – I think coaches give the benefit of the doubt now. Somebody's going out hitting all those threes, they're not going to get on you for defense, especially in a moment like that. So I love that. That's that's real coaching to me. And like you said, it woke you up. Like you remember that now, you know, and so it's, it's transcended basketball. Like it's kind of a life thing, right? You got to yeah. do the right thing no matter how well you're doing in one area. You got to make sure you're covering your basis and foundation in every area. Um, so did your training uh, – your training, so – was it just you and, and your brother going in the backyard training? Did you have an actual trainer? Because now you're a player developer where you're like right. detailed to the point and really developing these kids. And so what was your training like at that middle school age? To be honest, there wasn't a whole lot of player development coaches, you know, back in my time, uh, middle school time, high school time. Um, you know, I, I practiced a lot. I was I was on several different teams. And so, you know, I did a lot more like teamwork. Mm -hmm. But I was one of those kids like you didn't really have to tell like to work on their game. I was always outside. Um, and, and one of the like interesting things is like I would always tell kids now like you want to, to be in a gym where you can see the lines and you can like understand spacing and things like that. But I do think that there is a crucial like component to being adaptable to your environment um like our room wasn't exactly 10 feet <laughs> and we didn't have the free throw line at exactly the correct amount and so i think in that regard like it does make you adaptable to any sort of experience or environment that you may see but i did a lot you know on my own like i said i wasn't a kid that watched tv if you mentioned a disney movie i, I wouldn't be able to like tell you one um i wouldn't i just wasn't that sort of kid that was you know, on my game system or anything like that. I was a very active outdoors type of kid. So um, I've always been really self-motivated. So my parents didn't have to tell me like, go and work out. Um, but the philosophy in my family was like, if you're gonna do something, you're gonna do it fully. Uh -huh. And so 
for me that always was instilled from a young age and so once I kind of knew that it was like on me to to be able to put in that work and my parents were super supportive and like if you're doing the things that you say you want to do you're matching it with your actions we'll support you know we'll, we'll do anything that we can to help you reach your goals um so for me it you know I think it was kind of easy just oh, ingrained in me and it, and it seemed like it worked you know the you and your brother both getting to a certain you know like that that mindset I want to say was there something besides your parents verbally saying that was there any like anything behind what they were doing to push you that way you know was there a reward system was there anything like that everything was internal mm. you know internal rewards of like feeling like I'm getting better at something um, I think for me also I really looked up to my brother as a young kid and I wanted to impress him I wanted him to see me as a player and see watching him you know like he went to Birmingham didn't play ended up transferring not because of basketball but because of academics and then went to Taft going into senior year was 5'8 had zero offers like and then played you know in some of these national tournaments with pump and run and like had 70 plus offers and so like <laughs> yeah it's insane um so watching him uh, I always just wanted him to be proud of me and so there was always this like internal like I'm gonna show him that I'm a good player too and so I think for me you know part of that was you know ingrained from a really young age but there was no reward system like for my parents it was all like you know you can go as far as you want we'll support you um, but we're not going to do anything like going half speed. I, could, uh, I'm, I got two little ones, so I'm trying to rate. They're only four and two now, but Slow still want to say, nah, <laughs> I'm going home and tell my daughter, like, whatever you want to do, you got to go hard. <laughs> so I want some ice cream. We'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, no, we're going to use that. And I just want to clarify for the people. So her brother, Jordan Farmer, I know we keep referencing him. Yes. And so you guys know uh, UCLA, Los Angeles Laker uh, champion. So that's where her brother is. So. We got to stop like we're saying it because we know, but we'll make sure the people know. For sure. Um, dope. Wow. So moving on to high school. So you go to Taft. Um, now, did you feel like you had you were living in the shadow of your brother to try to prove something? And what was your experience like uh, playing high school and now playing against the girls after playing against boys for so long? Yeah, you know, coming in, I feel like there was a lot of hype. And there was a lot of expectations of who I was going to be as this player. You know, around school, like, I remember the first day, like, everybody would always call me Jordy's little sister. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was a sense of, you know, wanting to create my own identity. During high school, unfortunately, I was kind of, like, riddled with a lot of injuries. Um, I tore my ACL, um, I want to say, when I was 15, so I was really young, and then had two surgeries post that um, for some complications with my knee. So my high school career didn't turn out to be exactly what I wanted. Um, my ninth grade year was awesome because we went to the championship. We ended up losing to Chatsworth. Um, but, you know, we did get to play competitively and, and that was important to me. Um, so I think for me, it's just a part of my journey and a part of my story. And uh, I can look back and say like, Maybe, you know, things would have gone differently if, if this injury wouldn't have happened, but uh, it's just a part of who I am. So I'm, I'm grateful for those experiences. And um, ultimately, like the, the pressure of uh, being, you know, under my brother's name for me never felt like pressure. 
because like I knew who my brother was, but I also like know who I am too. And I know the things that I bring to the table and, and who I was as a person. So for me, it was like basketball is fun. You know, like I'm just hooping. I'm just having fun. Yeah, you're a hooper hooper. That's crazy. <laughs> um, you don't meet a lot of people who are like just pure hoopers. We've had a couple on the show, but I don't know. You might be the real like purest hooper on here. So I appreciate geez, that. I love that. That's dope. Um, so after the injury, what did it take mentally? Um, we've been, you know, more and more injuries come up. We probably didn't have the technology we had. I don't know how long your recovery took from surgery and tearing your ACL. But what I hear is like the physical part you get past, it's the mental part, right? Playing confidently on your feet again. What was that part like for you after recovering when you're, you're just 15? I don't think that I was prepared for the mental aspect of it. I think physically, like I could push myself to any limits. Mentally, I was not prepared for like what that looked like. So I really struggled coming back. For a long time, I actually was on the court playing, limping, not in pain, but just because I didn't understand the mechanics and I was maybe scared. And I think that created just bad habits over time. I ended up going to College of the Canyons and it was really important to me to work with professionals. Um, so I, I, like, I chose College of the Canyons specifically because they had a strength and conditioning coach named Dos Remedios who was working with Mikey and I believe is still like a Nike master trainer, but he at the time was known, I think, and recognized as the best trainer mm. um, in California. Um, and so for me, it was important to, to work with somebody who would really help me, um, my, my body, um, and also just feel more confident in that knee and my leg. Um, I also worked with a gentleman named Chris Powers, who works at SC and works with a lot of professional athletes um, who have also, and like, had really major like knee injuries and so through that time I I really focused on that and that was like super important to me yeah. I went through my JUCO experience I was top I want to say like 10 in three-point percentage scoring you were I was number seven and then in scoring you were a top 50 in the country I said you were a top 20 yeah I just read number one. Number yeah, one. I said one of those you were number I thought was number still. One. So assist number assist. one. Yeah, no, you were pretty good at uh, yeah. College of Canes. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then. What I, I want to go back to those people who were those trainers. What were the, how did they help you focus on the mental aspect? Was it through the physical training and, and you just getting the reps in, building that confidence? Or was there something that they were actually um, helping you develop in the mental space? I think Chris Powers specifically helped me um, develop my confidence because a lot of it was, um, so we did a lot of stuff on like force plates. Um, everything in his like actual gym was recorded so I could see myself. And I think that was a huge part of the development, being able to see like how much weight I'm actually putting when I'm landing on this leg versus this leg. And he almost, I would say, scared me into like believing that this was stable enough to hold myself up because he was like, listen, you know, when I first started, I was 70% on my left knee and only 30% force on my right knee. Mm. And so he was like, you are susceptible for another ACL. Oof. And like that right there, I was like, okay, well, yeah. I'm going to step <laughs> That's it up. That's positive fear. That's yes. positive fear. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and then you know, another person that was super integral for me was my coach going to Transylvania. I remember going into my senior year 
she had, you know, brought me into her office and we were having a conversation and she was like, listen, like you are a great player. Like you are athletic, you are, you know, just so much positive self-talk. And she put these expectations on me and for my season. And I hadn't had a coach that had challenged me in that way for a really long time. And that had actually, you know, reminded me of like what player I was. Mm. And so that conversation stood out to me. And from there, I just like allowed myself to be. And I was like, you know what, if I re-injure myself, then that's just what was meant for me. But um, I think that really instilled confidence in me to just be who I was and play freely versus like, you know, always having that mental thought or block Mm -hmm. in the back of my mind of like, you can't do that or like be careful um, when you're doing this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I think those those people like played a, a very huge role. No, I see it. The consistency of those people in your life, starting with your parents, then your brother, then coach Dave Miller, um, high school coach, very similar. What was that experience? We'll go back to it. And so <laughs> your, your uh, strength and conditioning coaches and then now you're a coach at the university that you played at. And like, that's so important to have those mentors and those positive voices in your life to surround yourself. I tell our kids all the time, like you're, I call them the, the board of directors, right? The people in your life who are encouraging you on your journey. So important to everybody be on the same page and be encouraging you to where you want to be. And so um, you've had a huge impact and that is also, you do it in your training. We had this discussion, um, or no, I think you just spoke about it on one of your Instagram posts where you were talking about why do you always say good job or yeah, mm-hmm. or one of those, what do you say? Yeah, yeah, I always say good job. Good job. You always say, somebody asks, why do you always say good job? And you were like, because you constantly need to hear encouragement, but it's it's embedded in you from your journey. And so that's so dope to that you're carrying that over to things like, I don't know if you're doing it on purpose that you're seeing everything that's been, you know, and deposited into you and you're naturally giving it back or it's intentional um but it's awesome because i appreciate not a lot of coaches that do that and my biggest thing i'm, I'm not a screamer i'm a loud talker when i coach and train like if i need your attention i, I have an authoritative voice <laughs> i'm never screaming though and turning red and weird stuff like that um so i always like and i, I feel like i get the best out of my players when i the way i coach and um I, there's a way to do that and not the old school crazy. No, Bob Knight was an amazing coach, obviously. Right. But it was a different generation, different day and age. And so um, just hats off to you on that. So, I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it. Um, I do want to touch on your high school coach now. What was that experience like? Because there was <laughs> a smile when I mentioned him. Go ahead. Um, you know, my coach in high school was Mark Drucker, um, mm-hmm. who's been there for a long time. Yeah. Drucker was X's and O's guy, like one of the the top basketball minds that I've been around. As far as the motivational piece, he was much more laxed. You know, he really believed that we should bring that on our own. For me, that was fine and easy. You know, for a lot of players, that's not. And so I I really appreciate the, the basketball knowledge that I took away from that experience. Um, I think the motivational piece is is something that, you know, I kind of brought on my own. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, and that, there you go, X's and O's again. So speaking to who you are yeah. again. So that's awesome. My, I, I can only relate parts of my basketball experience to my coaches, back to my coaches. It was more, I guess it was me and not having those motivational pieces and people to guide me, like to, to give me that blueprint. And so literally that's why we have this show. It's like, I don't want parents to go without the blueprint and not to hear 
what your experience and how that helped you along your career and my experience how it did not help me for you know coaches not giving me that information or my, the way my parents behaved and all of that and so your experience at Transylvania so you played there for two years two years and what was uh, what was that experience like just playing at that yeah, level yeah so we were talking about injuries I went College of the Canyon injury free my backup point guard was talking some smack to me right before I was getting ready to leave and so I had to remind her like I'm, I'm like that right and so we were playing you know one-on-one -on -one, and I went up for a layup she landed on my shoulder came down broke my femur and so going into my uh, junior year I remember you know this is the summer before I'm supposed to transfer and that I called the coach and I remember that phone call was like so hard um, because I felt like you know I was letting her down in a lot of ways because she had, she had recruited me, right. and so going in, I remember I said, like, they told me the recovery time would be about six to nine months, and I said, I'm going to come back before that, and I put that in my mind, and I remember every single day, multiple times a day, I was, first of all, I was by myself in a, in a state that, you know, never been to. It's don't, not like California. Right. Completely different. <laughs> don't know anybody. I'm rooming with somebody on the swim team who's also a like Tri-Delt member. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a really interesting experience. I, you know, for the first two months I was there, I was non-weight bearing, meaning that like I had to have this person that I've never met before um, help me do normal daily activities such as get in the shower, such as Whoa. get to class. You know, it, it was a very... Um, rocky start to say the mm -hmm. least and so the only thing that I really had was me and my rehab yeah. and so I, I remember I was just so diligent in that rehab and we had a little bit of time off um, I had that surgery in August we had a little bit of time off um, in December I went back home saw my surgeon and he was like listen you're, you're way ahead of schedule and he was like you're ready to play. I'm going to clear you um, on the 15th of next month. Oh. And so, you know, in college, you, you go usually until March, um, if you're lucky, you get to play in the tournament. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just started ramping everything up. And, you know, I got to, to play my junior year. Uh, towards the end of the year, I think I got maybe 10 games in. Um, we ended up making the tournament that oh, year, nice. which, was, which was awesome. Um, but that really catapulted me into that senior year. And senior year... I, I took off. You know, I, I had probably my best season of basketball, you know, I had ever played. Uh, I think I was averaging like 18 points a game. Assist-wise, I was like seven maybe assists a game. I think I was top 10 in three-point percentage, shooting, uh, three points a game. Uh, like, I just played really well. Um, and we did well as a team. And so, you know, to end your basketball career on that sort of note was, was amazing. Yeah, so there was no thoughts of playing pro after that? I thought about it. Okay. Um, but then I also thought about my knees. <laughs> and I thought about, you know, for me, the money that women were making at that time was not enough for me to put my body through more than it had already been through. Um, I thought, you know, I could probably withstand, you know, another five years or so, seven years or so of basketball. But at that point in time, I was like, is that worth the, you know, the, the heartache that I'm going to face later in life with these janky knees right. that, you know, aren't going to hold me up. And so, you know, I made the decision to 
uh, ultimately continued to pursue education. And, um, you know, I took a gap year and, and at that point was, uh, my major was exercise science. So I was getting ready to uh, get my physical therapy degree okay. um, right after college. Got you. And then, so physical therapy turned into training how? <laughs> there's, a, there's a gap there. What happened? There is a gap. Um, so, you know, I was doing my clinical hours um, during this gap year. I was applying to schools. Um, and I remember that summer I had worked a, a basketball camp at Transylvania. And there was a coach, local coach from high school that had basically approached me and asked me would I be interested in coaching um, their seventh grade middle school team. And in Kentucky, the middle school team or middle school kids can play in high school as well. And so this is a very competitive group of, of girls. Um, and then I was also an assistant. What city is Transylvania? It's in Lexington, Kentucky. Lexington, okay. Gotcha. This school was in Winchester, Kentucky, which was about 25 minutes or so. Gotcha. Um, and so... Again, we, we did really well, went undefeated, ended up losing in the championship game that year. Um, but I remember I was about a month away from going to school, and I woke up, and, and I'm a big person that I like to see things. So I had a whiteboard. I wrote down pros and cons of physical therapy, pros and cons of coaching. And I had it just sitting there. And, you know, I didn't say anything to my parents about it because I was, you know, really concerned because they were like, great, you're going to be, you know, at that point, a doctor of physical therapy, you're going to come out and make six figures, and awesome, amazing, and I remember I woke up one morning, and I was like, this is not going to wake me up every morning, I'm not excited about this, and I can't do it, like, I just can't, and so I called my mom, and I was like, hey, mom, and you know that, like, phone call where you're just, like, dreading it, and so she could hear it in my voice, and she's like, what's going on, and I was like, I'm not going to school, and there was just like this silence on the phone. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm not going to school. And she goes, okay, why? And I was like, I'm going to be a basketball coach. And there was just some more silence. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was like, well, can't you do both? I said, no, I can't. I can't do both because I don't enjoy doing this. Mm. Like I could live life and be content doing this. But this would not be what brings me ultimate happiness. And I'm not going to do something that doesn't bring me ultimate happiness. And then she, you know, said, but what about the stability? And, and growing up, for, for me, you know, my family, although I never felt that as a kid, my family struggled, you know, financially. We, we weren't the most, you know, wealthy family. And so I think my parents really wanted me to have that stability. And I was setting myself up to have that stability. And I think that really scared them and it really scared me too <laughs> and so I think at that time I probably didn't understand the full impact of you know what coaching looked like and um, what the industry looked like what jobs looked like um, I just knew that that was what woke me up that was what made me excited to live yeah. and so for me I, I chose that I ended up you know at the time uh, Luke Walton was head coach for the Lakers who was one of my brother's best friends when they played and so I remember I reached out to him and just asked him for advice. And he, you know, followed up with me and was like, hey, listen, we're doing this internship program with the Lakers. You've got um, to apply. You've got to go through the interview process. But if you get it, we'd love to have you. And so I went through the interview process. At the same time, I knew that if I wanted to coach in college, then I need my master's. Yeah. So I also applied for a master's program back at Pepperdine um, to be a grad assistant. And so during that time, uh, 
I got into Pepperdine. I was going to be, you know, a grad assistant, was kind of still waiting on what was going on with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And then the coach had gotten fired. And so I was kind of in this like weird place of like, do I go to school and and pay for this education? You know, what should I do? Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going to school. I got my master's in ed. And um, I remember, you know, had come back home um, and was basically just playing the waiting game. And I got a phone call from the video coordinator at the time. Uh, his name is Will Scott. And he called me and was like, hey, listen, you've got the job. It's yours. Wow. And, you know, from that moment, I think about a month later, I started. And so from <laughs> going to... So how long, how long was that time period from applying to the job and receiving the job? I applied back in May. I didn't know until August. Got you. And then you were still, and you were going to school at the same time? No, not yet. Oh, okay. So, so this, you got accepted into the master's program. I got accepted got to it. start, you know, in, I think it was September. Got it. And then, you know, I was kind of just, I had come back home and I was, again, just playing the waiting game. I was, mm-hmm. I was working, you know, a local job at a restaurant and just hoping I got that job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything kind of worked out and that really like propelled my career. Awesome. And so working with the Lakers uh, as an intern, so what kind of work did you do there? I did a lot of different things. I spent a lot of time in the video room, which I think, you know, is probably the most beneficial as far as learning the game. Um, I also, you know, assisted with a lot of on-court workouts. Um, You know, Mad Dog, Mark Maxson, uh, he ran a lot of stuff with Brooke Lopez. And so I got to to be a part of those workouts. And then, you know, Miles Simon, who I believe now is with uh, Phoenix, um, you know, he had like Josh Hart, Kuz, Zoe. And so I got to, to, to be a part of those, you know, workouts as well. And so, um, you know, unfortunately, we, we were not a winning team at that point in time. <laughs> Young and talented. <laughs> Young and talented. <laughs> but what I will say is that that gave me more opportunity to learn and to, um, to, to take, you know, a bigger role than I probably would have had, you know, in a more competitive environment. So um, I think that was an awesome experience. And then... Uh, during that next summer, I was able to be on the coaching staff um, for on the bench um, with that summer league team that ended up going to the championship and then losing to Portland that year. Yeah, I go to summer league every year, so I remember that. Yeah. So you were actually on the staff, and um, did you have updated, like, what were your responsibilities? How did they get elevated as you being on the staff on the summer league team? So I actually got to do scouting assignments, <clears throat> which were really cool. Um, I scouted uh, with another coach named Isaiah Fox, who is still coaching now um, in the NBA. And uh, my scouting assignment was Chicago that year. And so uh, we ended up winning that game. Nice. So, uh, you know, I like yes. it always feels great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think the, the extra scouting assignments, um, we got to also present in front of the team, which, you know, seems like no big deal. But when you are 23, 24 years old, you've never done this before. You're looking at a bunch of, you know, potential NBA guys. Um, it could be really intimidating. Mm-hmm. And so I think that experience was uh, super good for building my confidence. And yeah. um, just watching film and, and being able to be on the bench and, and call out plays because you know that you watch them and you know the hand signals that are happening. Like, that was just so cool for me. Um, yeah. And that was the first year they actually did the California Classic in Sacramento mm-hmm. with the new arena. And so when we went to SAC first before Summer League, the arena, we played SAC. The arena was packed, almost like it was a, a league oh, game. Wow. 
And that experience, getting to be on the bench, was was so surreal. That's crazy. That's dope. Yeah, you went from being a physical therapist in Kentucky, somewhere, <laughs> to being on the bench of a G League team, or, or sorry, summer league team for the NBA in a year. Um, <laughs> Life changes quickly. <laughs> yeah, and I think what what let me ask you um, what what got you there like. Um, persistence, confidence, like what got you to like, know, like, hey, I'm going to coach and here's what I'm going to do. Like, you know, I think everything got me there, you know, from the moment that I was a kid and those experiences in the backyard, those how I was raised, the foundation that my parents set for me. Um, they they believed in me and they created this internal fire and belief within myself. And so for me, I never really saw, you know, initially gender as being something that like separated me. That may have changed a little bit more when I started my business, but I always felt like I was a coach. And I feel like, you know, when I was coaching with the Lakers, I felt like I belonged. Everybody, you know, made it a point to make me feel comfortable and welcomed. It wasn't weird with any of the players at all. Um, and, and it was ultimately just an experience that I think really propelled my career and propelled that confidence more. But I think everything that happens in life helps you in some way, shape or form, yes. positive, negative, macro loss, micro loss, um, whatever those things are, um, I think give you the experiences that you need at each step in your life. And you know, maybe if you don't even have those experiences, you learn them at that moment. And those things are what continue to carry you throughout. 100%. Wow. That's dope. You mark that part down? Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a clip. That was dope. Um, so, uh, Lakers, so what happened after that, That the I guess that summer, and then you continued to work with the Lakers? What happened next? Yeah, so... Um, you know, this was a, a one-year internship program. And so, you know, after that year, it was um, pretty much up to me to figure out what I was going to do next. And, um, you know, I kind of got in some different fields, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with basketball specifically. Did I want to coach? Did I want to do player development? And um, initially I was like, I love the coaching experience so much. I was like, I've got to be a coach. Um but then as I started doing player development, obviously because, you know, you know how these coaching jobs are in, in L.A. Uh, specifically, they don't pay very well. Right. So you have to find other means of income. And I'm not a person that sits at a desk. So um, I was like, player development sounds great. I'm going to build my skills. In order to be a good coach, you got to know how to develop kids anyways. So let's take this skill. Let's add something else to my bag. That way, the next time another job comes along, I can say I also do this as well. Yeah. And so, you know, during that time, then I went to Taft and I was an assistant coach with Derek Taylor. Okay. And so I was doing all of the player development for, you know, the guards and wings. And then what I'll, year was this? This was 2018. 2018, okay. So, um, and then I did the offense as well. And so uh, it was really cool because, you know, when you work at a bigger organization with an NBA team, you have an impact, but you're not calling the plays at, at my level, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was cool to have more of a say in the things that were happening. 
I also handled all the film work. So I did individual film with each of the players. And then I also did team film, team scouts, opponents, um, you know, player tendencies, things of that nature. So that experience really was like even more like eye-opening to the things that go into play, into being a coach. Um, it showed me like how important this player development portion was to coaching um, and just to team success in general. And then uh, after my, my season with Taft, I then started solely just focusing on the player development portion. Mm-hmm. And then boom, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> the, the halt in all of our lives, right? Yes. Awesome. So that uh, I, going back to deciding to go to Taft, did you want to stick in the NBA at all? Did you ever think about coaching in the NBA? Is that? Yeah, I mean, that's everybody's goal, I think. Um, for me, you know, just being honest with myself now, I probably wasn't ready for like an assistant video coordinator position um, at that point in time. And so, you know, I applied for certain positions and I didn't get it. Um, but also too, like for video coordinators, they're looking for guys that can be on court. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with my stature that, that you know, I can- And your knees. And right? my <laughs> knees, you know, I, I could do the best that I could. And like, I was the type of person like, I'll guard anybody. Right. But like the physicality and all of that, like I, I couldn't keep up. And so I understood that and, and was like, I'm just going to work on my craft in the meantime. And I'll figure out and build these connections. I'll go to camps. I'll go to clinics. I'll learn from these, you know, top guys. And then I'll, I'll revisit. Um, and so I thought going to Taft was, one, such a full circle moment. Mm-hmm. And two, just a great opportunity to continue to polish those skills and build even more confidence. So that way, when that next opportunity came, I was prepared. Absolutely. No, that's awesome. That's an awesome recognition of yourself. Like you said, you knew yourself, you knew what was in front of you, and you didn't take it as a knock. You just took it as, hey, this is the route I got to take to get to that next level. So um, that's awesome. Is Now, COVID hits. Um, we're all sitting at home. Uh, what were you doing <laughs> during COVID? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is crazy. Um, so at the time, uh, when I worked for the Lakers, I was getting my master's. I was living at home. Obviously, you know, with an internship sort of salary, um, I was not making enough to be on my own and I had just finished college. And so I was pretty much saving up, building my business and then, you know, planning on moving out towards the following year, you know, right around my birthday in April. Well, March 13th, 2020 hits and the world stops. And, you know, for LA, it was, it was shut down. Right. And so for me living at home, my mom has, um, you know, she's immunocompromised. And so she was like, you are staying home. You're not going anywhere. You are not doing anything. I can't afford to, to be sick. And I remember (laughs) at the time I was like, well, this, this won't work. You know, I've got to still train. And, you know, I was kind of sneaking into a gym that I had worked at, you know, over in Chatsworth. I was going to the park and and trying to like train locally and, and being as safe as I could wearing a mask and all of that. Um, and I remember I came home and I was like, I'm, I'm going to move out. And my parents were like, where are you going? It's like, I'll figure it out. And I packed up a suitcase, packed up five pairs of pants, five pairs of shirts, two shoes, underwear, socks. That's it. For a year and a half, I lived off of that. And I moved into a motel. Whoa. And during that time, I was, I was homeless, essentially. And... 
I was training at the park and trying to keep this business that I had, you know, spent so much time building alive. And I ended up dwindling down to one client. And I remember, you know, solely training that client at the park. And then they took the rims down at the park. And so I had that, that mat, that Micah Lancaster mat. Oh, yeah. And so I started doing outside of this motel, I started doing ball handling work outside of the motel with this client. And he paid me 15 bucks. And that was what I was making. And I had about 90 bucks in my account. And I was, you know, there was this Chinese spot across the street. And, you know, typically Chinese spots, they give you a good portion. And so I was, you know, I'd get my, you know, brown rice and chicken and I would, you know, make that last for a couple days. And I was living off that, you know, for, for an extended period of time. And I never wanted to stop dreaming. I never wanted to stop my business. I knew what I put into it. And so it was really important for me, regardless of how many like clients that I had, to not stop because there's always opportunities for me to learn and grow and I didn't want to miss those. And so I continued to do that for about a year and a half. Um, you know, was fortunate enough to uh, save up some money. I was on Facebook marketplace and I was looking at places to sublet, you know, just really short term agreements just to kind of build some more stability. Mm-hmm. And during that time when I had gone on Facebook, I was just mass messaging people. Come to find out one of those people were a girl that I, was a girl that I went to, to elementary school, middle school with. She was like, Sean, question mark. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, she's a model. She was doing some traveling for some things. Um, she was looking for somebody to sublet, fully furnished place, didn't have to put down a deposit. Oh, man. Uh, so it was like kind of just meant to be. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, everything kind of slowly started to open and you know, still business was slow, but it was enough for me to maintain. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that part. Yeah. That's crazy. This is before I met you. Yes. I met you right after COVID. Yes. Whoa. Didn't know any of that. That's crazy. crazy. journey. The love of the game is real. That's yeah. <laughs> one. Yes. And two, <laughs> it's like this thing that your parents instilled at you all through your life came back because I'm sure they didn't want you living out of a motel, right? No. Came back to bite them in the butt, kind of like, she's so determined <laughs> that she's willing to essentially be homeless to pursue this dream. And so, but it's, that's your journey. Like you said, to know that you will fight for something that's yours, like that you want to get to have. And so, wow. So coming out of that, COVID's over. You're, you have uh, some stability, is what we're going to call it, right? right. You got some stability, <laughs> and then your business kinds of takes off from, kinds of, kinds of takes off. We're going to edit this, we may not. Your <laughs> business kind of takes off from there. Um, what changed besides, you know, the world opening up? Yeah, so I ended up getting this job at a local private school um, in Glendale called Glendale Academy, and because it was a private school, I was able to have access, free access to a gym. And so, you know, for anybody that has a player development business, you know how vital having access to a gym is. And so um, having that access allowed me to have, you know, more foundation to grow this business. That summer was the best summer that I've, I've had. Um, I had 30 clients, um, you know, every day. And it was a family and it was a community. And, you know, I had guys from all over the world, um, guys that, you know, played professionally, college, um, some really like top high school kids and 
How did they find you? How did so you went? You had one client that you were training on a right. mat for fifteen bucks. Right. Come out of COVID, how did these clients find you? So, you know, when I started my business, I was super against social media, <laughs> and I was like, I do not want to be that person. And everybody would always like challenge me. Come on, like you have good stuff. Post your content. Like, come on. And so I started posting. And once I started posting, everything changed. Mm. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I could make a business out of this, like really legit business. And maybe it's also another opportunity for me to use my platform to teach people basketball, which is ultimately, you know, what I want to do um, on top of being somebody who can motivate and inspire. And so from there, um, you know how the basketball community works, it's all word of mouth. So yes. once you get those five people in the gym and they're coming and they're happy and they're seeing the results, then they tell their friends and their friends and their friends. And at the time still, even though COVID had ended, gyms were still very hesitant to open. And so I was one of the few places that were open. And so it was really easy to get, you know, kids, players into the gym at that point in time. And, you know, from there, I think it just really expanded. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. The persistence, the just continuing to walk in your purpose and, and what you wanted to do um, just proved itself, right? You reap what you sell. You're, you know, out there just grinding, trying to, trying to build something. And it was built like that, like in a moment everything changed, right? It probably felt like one day to you, like, oh my gosh, it's, it's here. So I love telling people that, like, to hear the grind before the grind, right? Like, you were doing this pretty much with nothing. And now you have a gym full of players, not just from here, like all over the world, literally pros and and um, doing it as a, a female, like, in this game, most of the players that you coach are boys, are all of them. I, I don't think I've ever seen a girl <laughs> on your Instagram, to be honest. So um, what if there's other uh, female player developers out there, what would you tell them to do to have the confidence to train anybody? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and I actually was just asked this question on an interview the other day. For me, you know, part of the reason that I really struggled with the social media portion and putting myself out there was because I was different than the, you know, mass of this basketball community. And so I wanted to fit in to this community. And for me, I spent in the initial part of my career too much time trying to fit in, trying to be something that I will never be. And as I continued to grow, uh, I realized that I needed to stop trying to fit in and I needed to start trying to stand out. And once I like understood that concept, everything changed. And so for anybody, any woman that's trying to pursue um, a career in a field that is male dominated or, you know, maybe dominated by a specific race um, or a specific group, I would just say be you. Lean into who you are versus trying to, you know, lean into what you're not. Um, and that will lead you to wherever you want to go. 100%. That's dope. Um, all right. So now we're here today, right? Um, what is the official name of your training business? Skills Over Drills. Skills, skills Over Drills. I know where that came from. <laughs> I know where that came from. And so um, we spoke earlier. You've had Drew Hanlon as a mentor. How did mm -hmm. that relationship begin and how has that impacted your training? 
Yeah, so I mean, just like everybody else, I applied to, to be a part of his mentorship program. And most of it was initially online. And then he had this portion in the summer time where we could go in and watch and assist with on-court workouts with some of his NBA guys. And so during that time is when, you know, I got to kind of get to know him a little bit on a more personal level um, versus just, you know, behind the screen. Mm -hmm. And I think that was when things started to change. And once we kind of developed this connection, we, we, I think kind of, and maybe so more so for him, built this trust. And so during that time, you know, I got to, to come to the gym, you know, in this mentorship, you're only supposed to be there for a week. But because I'm from here, he allowed me to come in for the entirety of the summer and help him out. Nice. And so from that moment, um, you know, we built this relationship outside of basketball. And I remember he reached out to me back, I want to say this was, this is now 2019. He had reached out to me and said, hey, um, you know, Myers Leonard uh, is looking for somebody to help him with his workouts. He's, you know, working to come back to the NBA. I'm going to be traveling a lot. Is this something you can do? And so I was like, yes, of course. Like, (laughs) this is this is the call, the conversation everybody's waiting for. And so from that moment, Myers and I started working out every day and we built, you know, a really good relationship. And that also led me to building even more rapport with Drew because, you know, Myers is reporting back how the workouts are going. I'm reporting back things that I'm noticing. And so, you know, over time, then when Drew would come into town, we would get to talk a little bit more and and everything, every conversation became, you know, a little bit more in depth and and more personal than just that basketball relationship. And it was cool because now I got to ask him questions in a one-on-one setting that are more in-depth, focused and intentional versus when you're just trying to catch somebody when everybody else is also trying to catch them. And so... I mean, you know, I think Drew is the best in the business and getting to learn from him. And you can probably tell like in my videos, I take a lot of the terminology and teaching portions that I learned from him and implement it into my training as well. So shout out Drew. Yeah. Don't reinvent the wheel. No, no, you don't need to. (laughs) He is a mastermind. And I was trying to remember, you know, your... Uh, I'm going to call it addiction to basketball. <laughs> it's a positive one, though, but you have an addiction to basketball. You just love it. It's the same as Drew's. The amount of film he watches, like, he loves the game. He, That's what he does is basketball. Yep. And everything in his life is focused around that. Um, so that, that makes sense why he connected with you. And you guys are in the same wavelength when it comes to the passion and love that you have for this game. And um, what it can do, how it changes people's lives. You know, you yourself going through the injuries and overcoming them and having having a, a amazing end to your career in college, right, that last year and then transitioning into training and hitting some, some lows and then coming up on the highs. And then it's here, you know, where you're a pro trainer. Like, you're you're the next Drew Hanlon. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I see it. Like, you can really dominate this game because of, how much you love it, the attention to detail you pay, the attention to detail that you pay. Is that the right way to say that? It is. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, I question myself a lot. She fixes stuff. Um, and um, it's it's like full circle, but it's also um, I'm a big believer in like when you're you'll start to meet people that you always wanted to meet once you're on their level, right? You keep developing yourself and raising your intelligence emotionally, mentally, spiritually, however 
and you'll start to meet the people that you wanted to meet. And so it's happened to me crazily, right? Same way, like, so there's pictures of Dwayne Wade and the three-fourths of the Banana Boat crew. Like, those are guys <laughs> I, I grew up watching. Right. And I was just able to be on the court with them because I was just focused on becoming a better leader. During COVID, for me, all I read was, um, was player, I mean, not player development, like personal development books, John Maxwell, How to Be a Better Leader. And the more and more I do that, the more people, I can sit down, like, with you, like, your your mental capacity is crazy. Like, Thank you. You're, you understand everything that's happening to you, why, and you're intentional about it, where some people just live life, you know, live life, and some people get lucky, you know? <laughs> <laughs> some people do some people get lucky but i think it's more important when you actually know what you're doing because it's the next the next obstacle or opportunity you have you're just going like ah i've been through this before <laughs> it's nothing i'm gonna go go through it so what is next for you what what are you working on i know there's something cooking and so you're assistant coaching in college and Correct. so that your player development business what's the next step for you yeah so I think the the one of the next things that I have kind of lined up to come out is a program and this is an online program and my biggest you know thing has been I want to reach more people but I've always been so hesitant to put out online programs because I like to be there in person and add my touch and so it's been a challenge for me to to put together this program solely for the purpose of you know, wanting that individualized sort of, you know, setting and environment. Mm -hmm. But I understand, you know, that's part of the way to grow in this industry. And so um, it's called the Complete Player Program. It's a six-week-long program and, you know, something that I'm really passionate about and that I really, really believe can help people not only just, like, develop more fundamentals of the game, but also learn more about technique, more about footwork, balance, base, body positioning, all things that are really important to be successful basketball players. Yeah. So I'm working on that. I'm also uh, have just kind of launched my new community, which is a Hoopers. I have a, it's called Hoopers Lounge for Hoopers and then uh, coaches, uh, courtside for coaches. And it's basically <clears throat> an opportunity, one for me to connect with more people um, I do form corrections on there. I add film edits of different moves, techniques, um, strategy, game strategy. And um, I host, you know, once a month, a like a Zoom meeting where I get to, to talk to people, ask questions, um, you know, have specific focus topics that I'm, you know, looking towards. I add some like exclusive stuff from, you know, my workouts that I don't post on social media. That's kind of the biggest thing that everybody wants to see. Like, what are you doing day in and day out with these players? Um, so those, so have some more clips on that. Um, and then ultimately by the summertime, planning to launch my full curriculum. And so, you know, that's something that I'm really passionate about, mm -hmm. where there's going to be a lot of teaching um, and a lot of opportunities for, for not just coaches, but also for players to learn specific moves, um, specific you know, techniques and things that'll really help them skill-wise. And then I also have a business of basketball training course that I'm getting ready to launch in the summer too. So um, behind the scenes, I've Drew got- Drew Hanlon Jr. over here. I've got Love a, it. <laughs> got a lot of things that awesome. I'm working on. Um, but awesome. you know, those are, you know, ultimately I, I like to, to motivate and inspire. And so my end goal really is to, to host, you know, some, some events, some seminars, um, 
and then I'm going to go back to school and get a uh, sports psych degree um, Mm. because I think the biggest question that we all have is how can we improve player performance? How can we improve team success? And how can we also do that with player development? And so I want to, you know, be able to hold and host seminars where I'm teaching these things. I want to be able to implement these sort of strategies and activities within, you know, my clientele base and also to help other people that are looking to help players, you know, all over the world. So, um, yeah, I've got a lot of things lined up. Um, so I know I've been kind of like radio silence on those things, but this is a really cool opportunity to, to get to share that. So thank you for giving me the platform. Too. No, thank you. This is exactly what it's for. That's <laughs> super exciting. I'm, I'm excited about tapping in and looking at those resources. I, I think everybody has a different voice and a way to say it. So as much as we've learned from some of the OGs in the game, we have our own way of communicating that, that can reach different people. And you sharing that, especially after I'm a social media hater too, like <laughs> she's forcing me to do this. And so like that, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. It's like, man, you actually have something to share. You've helped so many people like put it out there so people can see and you know, they're right. They've proven, uh, they've proven right. Our, our, one of our latest posts has got a hundred K views in like four days. Like that's awesome. Uh, what? It's not even me talking though. That's the, that's the cool thing is that uh, I'm sure you're the same way. Like the focus is the players. It's not about me. That's why I don't. I never wanted to do this stuff. But we made it a way where we put the focus on someone else, and I'm just here, right? I just I have a cool painting behind my head that once again Karina did, and she makes me sit here and talk to people. She killed and, it. Yeah, that's crazy, right? So any artwork, listen, Karina's been getting hit up a lot. This is a commercial break. If you want anything done, graphic design, video, photos, she freelanced this with her hands. Like I don't. Uh, yes. Please hit up Karina. Uh, Karina X Isabel, is that right on Instagram? Oh, X Karina Isabel on Instagram. Get it right. Uh, She gets to edit this. DM her. Uh, She can look out for you. And no, it is not for free. So you better pay her uh, top quality because her work is top quality. Thank you. You're welcome. Shout Um, out Karina. (laughs) Don't turn red on me. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, All right. So we're going to the next part of our show. We'll go back, we'll go to that at the end, how to access all that stuff you're talking about. Cool. The, the coaches community and the other, the, Yep. yeah, that's super dope. Okay, I need, I need to know how to get in that. All I right. got you. <laughs> all right, so um, my Rushmore, your top four. Okay, so your top four point guards of all time. Who do you have? So I'm going number one. Maybe I should go four, you know, backwards. Not in order. There's no order. No order. This is just Mount Rushmore, so it's just four. Just if you four. want to put order, you can. But to keep the critics off, you could just say four if you want. Four, okay. <laughs> so because I was a pass-first point guard, I'm going John Stockton. Mm. He's got to be up there for me. Not the first. I'm then going to go Magic. Um, I mean, resume speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. I'm then going to go Steph. Just because he has, I mean, he's transformed the game um, and just in so many ways. And so. Is he a point guard, though? Yes. Why? So here's the argument. Okay. There is a difference from a point guard and this new hybrid guard, the Dames, the Stephs, you know, that scoring number one option can do a lot of stuff on the team. 
Is he a real point guard? When we say point guard. To me, yes. Okay. Because for me, like my game is 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 similar to his, not in skill wise. Like let me let me just make that clear. <laughs> but I was a, a a really good passing guard. I was also a really good shooting guard. Um and so and also a really good pick and roll player. And so for me, like he has all those skills. Now could he play multiple positions? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think to me he's a point guard. Um, and the last person, players are going to flame me for this, but I'm going Kyrie solely because of the fact that his, his skill level is, is off the charts of the things that he can do with the ball. Um, he's probably the closest version skill-wise, footwork-wise, to Kobe. And I think that if he was Kobe size, like, he would be, you know, extraordinarily, like, unstoppable. I think he has the best footwork ever. Yeah, he's he's up there. Including Kobe. Kobe's up there for sure. I think Kyrie's is the best ever. I've never seen somebody manipulate the court yeah. like he does with yeah. his feet. I, I'm just always like, you know, that's why you heard me say John Stockton first. Yeah. Because, like, I love pass-first guards. Yeah. So I always go, like, that route. And I was a really good pick-and-roll player. So I, I love that, you know, about his game. Him and, you know, Malone were, were unstoppable. Uh, but like until they came up against Jordan, but yes, correct, correct. <laughs> um, but but like skill wise, like natural yeah. like ability, Kyrie is is you know far superior than than most players to ever have touched a basketball. One hundred percent. I like your four, and so to me, so I'm taking Steph and Kyrie out of this because I believe they're hybrid guards just from my definition. So okay. there's no disrespect to them. I think they're the best two hybrid guards. I think there's a separation when you say point guard for me is just more like of a a traditional sense, and so. My, I've said this on the show before, so I'm scared not to say the same people. This is going to be fun. Magic for sure. Okay. No magic was on there. Um, I also have Steve Nash. I believe Steve Nash has, he was the first like modern day guards. How they play their game is how Steve Nash plays. I believe he was kind of the the center of that. Um, Then I have, what other point guards? Jason Kidd, his um, his vision, his ability to make everybody better around him. Um, I think his IQ is beyond what we can imagine. And then last is actually Rajon Rondo, okay, who to me is the smartest guy I've ever that I've ever been in the gym with. Rajon Rondo, hands down, just is a genius when it comes to basketball. The little tricks and nuances that he showed us and like. I can't even teach it to my kids yet because it doesn't it doesn't make sense unless you're in the NBA for one. But two is just like, man, I don't know if I understand this. I don't to even <laughs> teach it. It's uh so Ray John Rondo would be my four. That's my that's my four. I think it's a good four. That's a great yeah. four. Like I, I can't find one player to argue with. They yeah. all play the pick and roll well, all have great vision, all good leaders. Like Yeah. Um, I hear so, you. All right. So we're going back in the time machine, okay? Where were you? Let's go. 2010 NBA Finals Game Seven. I believe your brother's playing at this point. He was playing. He was playing. Um, where were you? What were you thinking? This is when it was a very tight game. Uh, I think it was only 53-56 going into the fourth quarter. Very low-scoring game. Lakers went down by in the teens some points. You could tell the rest of the story. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah. So. 
you know, leading up to this, I the Lakers were actually down in this series. So they had, you know, come from Boston, and that was when the playoff format was different. It was 2-3-2. Two, two. Mm -hmm. So coming back home, they were down, I believe it was, I want to say 3-2. Um, or no, yeah, 3-2. And so, you know, to go to Game 7 was, was huge. And the buzz, you know, around L.A. was was crazy at that point in time. But Game 7, I was at the Staples Center, um, R.I.P. Staples Center. But <laughs> It's still the Staples. We don't care. I know. I know. It, it, just, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> right. Um, but I was, I was in the arena. Um, I remember the section that I was sitting in. I was in 209. Um, my mom, my dad, and myself, we had seat one, two, and three can remember all of that very clearly. In the third, we were down kind of like what you said by about 17-ish. And I remember going into the fourth and there was this feel like in the arena that you always had when you had Kobe on your team. And once that fourth quarter hit, the amount of dominance that took place from Kobe was probably one of the greatest performances that I've ever seen. And that iconic picture where he's standing up, you know, on the scoreboard and he's got his hat on, he's got the ball in one hand and he's standing there looking at the crowd and he's screaming and, you know, he's got the, the longer pants, you know, below the knees at that point. That, you know, I was there for that moment. I was actually on the floor. And so, so surreal, so cool to be a part of. And then after the game, I got to go to the locker room um, I was not, I was too young to be in the champagne party, but <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, fortunate enough to, to get to go inside and I actually have a picture with Kobe, um, after they won the championship that year. Wow. And, you know, that's one of my like, you know, most cherished pictures to date, but that experience in itself was, was really cool because you get to see like what winning really feels like at like the highest level. And you, you can't really fathom that unless you've been a part of it in some capacity. Right. And, you know, my brother was somebody that always worked really hard and that was always in the gym. And any time that I would go and help him rebound or do anything, Kobe was always there. Hmm. And so the amount of questions that I got to ask him and learn from was unmatched. Um, and, you know, he was like such an integral part of, you know, the the game for me and and like what that meant for me and so like I would always say my goat is Kobe um so that was probably one of my most you know cherished moments to date um and then obviously getting to be a part of the parade yeah. that was you know insane so <laughs> it's cool that's so dope um I'm not even gonna talk about where I was and why because your story is too fire so. <laughs> 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 I was yeah I was at home watching the game great um man that's amazing um I have uh, people who, you know, were family of championship winners, uh, the Barnes boys, the twins. They were there when Matt won one in Golden State. Yeah. And they were like, you really felt like, they, they really felt like they were part of the team. You couldn't tell them anything. And I'm <laughs> sure it's the same kind of feeling yeah. you got, you know, being able to enjoy the championship with your brother and his team. And, you know, the Lakers, when the Lakers win, it's different. It just is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. different out here. So um, that's amazing. And once again, uh, another, you know, miniature mentor with Kobe there, you know, um, being able to just talk to him and, and be a part of his greatness too. So you have a, you need to write a book too, just so you know, after you're done with all this other stuff, write a book. You're probably working on it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. So 
This is part of the show where we flip the script. All right. You become the interviewer. Two questions you have for me could be anything in the world. What was the most defining moment in your career? Most defining moment in my basketball career or my career, my professional career? Let's say basketball career. Most defining moment in my basketball career. All right, so junior year, I was a, I was a little guy. Went to high school, 5'3", maybe 5'5". Five, five. My sophomore year, 5'7". Junior year, 5'9". I didn't get this tall until I went to college. I'm like 6'2"-ish now, right? So I'm 5'9". I just figured out how to work. I always worked hard. But my dad put me in this program. It's called Frappier Acceleration. It was like the first strength and conditioning, like, you know, hardcore uh, strength and conditioning we had. I grew up in Corona. And so I went to that thing all summer. And I came back my junior year, like, dumb athletic. Like, 4'4", running 20 miles per hour, 33-inch vertical. Like, but nobody knew. Like, I was just going, didn't go with my teammates, secretly doing this and just working on my game. Tryouts come around. There are all these guys who are seniors. I'm a junior. Who are seniors who would think they just, oh, yeah, it's my year. I go to tryouts and dog all of them. Or mo I'm going to say most of them. I think that year, four people didn't make it through tryouts. Wow. They just quit. Um, and two people quit the team later that year because I was playing more than them. That was a defining moment, like, oh, hard work gets you this. And it was like people who, like I've known since elementary school and like junior through middle school and high school and then being able to like, I was like blocking their jump shots. You know, when you block somebody's jump shot more than once, it's like, right. yeah, you, you're not good. <laughs> and so <laughs> blocking their jump shots, giving them buckets and the coach was just like surprised. Like the coach was just like looking at me like it was crazy. And then I finished it off at the end of practice. I dunk it. And the coach is like, he literally doesn't say anything, just wide-eyed. And I was like, yeah, I'm here. It was <laughs> like one of those moments, yeah, I'm here. That gave me the confidence to know that I, I could be good enough. Like, like, yeah, I can't overcome all these people because I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to make varsity. I just, and I was just playing. It wasn't even like I was out to get somebody. It was just, I was just that good. So, <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was just that good. So, good question. Yeah. Um... I guess, I mean, I, I would love to know your answer also, like, professionally, but um, if you want to answer yeah, that. Yeah, I could do that, too. I yeah, I think it'd be great. My defining moment professionally, I might be happening right now, honestly. Um, You've been killing it. Yeah, nine, it's nine years. So my business core has been going, this is my ninth year, going to be our tenth year next year, which is crazy. Most businesses don't last by the past three years. And we're, we're we have been a mainstay in this industry of school stuff and then as a trainer because i think core is part of me being a trainer my defining moment was um is that you said defining moment is that the word you use i, I use make defining sure. defining moment was i think it's about to happen I think there's some kids that I've been working with since they were like in seventh grade, like 12, 11, 12 years old, who are to me projecting to be like some for real pros, like NBA pros. And they're in high school now. And they're like, 
I, I just see things different on the court. I see things different with development. Like everybody wants this fast pace. You're a pro at 12, 13. And I think my, my goal has always been to prove that I can develop a pro from scratch. And I feel like I'm on that, I'm getting there. I think that'd be the ultimate defining moment. Um, you know, it's always cool training with LeBron James too. So being in the gym with LeBron was pretty, pretty cool. All, like all summer while he's filming Space Jam too. I'm in there with him at 5 a.m. And so being able to, you know, work with one of the greatest and um, to see his love for the game, his energy every single time we step on the court, um, his how smart he is and how coachable he is more so. Like you're the greatest player in the world right now <laughs> and you're being coached by me who, you know, who am I? But um, yeah, so my most defining moment is coming, but being in gym with LeBron is pretty, pretty dope. Yeah, it's got to be out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess to couple on that, who do you think the most impactful person has been that you've met and why? That's a great question. The most impactful person I met. My wife. Yeah. She, she changed my commitment level. Um, yeah, ever since we've been like, fully committed to one another, my whole life changed. I I just, I surrendered to God, one, so I could be a good husband. I always wanted to be a great husband and great father. Like I was not, I still won't replace any of this stuff with being that first. And she's just been dope. We don't argue, we don't fight. We get along really well. We're friends, we understand one another. Um, we work together. We're never, we never fight each other. It's always us against whatever issue it is, whether it's with me or with her. Um, and she's just, she's there. <laughs> she's there and she loves me for me. And no, there's no excuses from either one of us. We just love each other and um, just work in unison to, to be there for one another, but also help other people. You know, I think that's a big part of what I do is like, I love helping other people. And that's not necessarily her like second nature to do that, but she's bought in to doing that in our life. And so um, she's, yeah, probably most impactful. You don't hear that a lot. Mm. I was I was getting ready for, for you to say, <laughs> like, some player. Yeah. Um, so that's really neat. Yeah, no, yeah, she's, she's the one who changed it all. She's the one who allows me to do what I do. And so, yeah, definitely, Ashley. Ashley, I love you, babe. I know you're not going to listen to this. But you're earning, make you. you're earning points. <laughs> no, she doesn't listen to my podcast. Let's talk about this. <laughs> my wife doesn't listen to my podcast. Why? She's, she doesn't like basketball, mm. which is even crazier, right? The most impactful person. She doesn't like basketball. She's a gamer, and that's fine. I Actually, we enjoy that by one another, like that she can go play video games and I can go hoop, and we're just totally fine, right? And so she's like, I don't like basketball. I'm like, the podcast is about basketball, but it's not. Right. Like, listen to it, so... She says she's going to start listening. She has it. Her and my best friend. My best friend doesn't listen to this podcast either. So, Russell, calling you out too. Awesome. So, you have a 24-second shot clock. Speak to that camera right there. Got Let it. the people know where they can find you, how we can get all the stuff that's coming out, or anything, any message that you have for them. Let's see if you can stand for 24 seconds. Only one person has so far. Go. Oh, that's easy for me. <laughs> all right. So, you can find me on all social media platforms under Sean Kalani, S-H-A-W-N-K-O-L-A-N-I. And you can also check out my website, skillsoverdrills.com. I'll have all my information there on the website for you to check out. Awesome.
Thank you for being on the show. Kept it simple. Super dope. Thank we'll you see for you having guys me. Guys, next time. Peace.